Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I started the show the other day by saying this. I'm going to say something similar right now. If I have an agenda, in other words, if I have a reason for doing certain things, I try to telegraph that agenda. I don't want to try to sneak up with you on, on something like that. So today I have a pretty clear agenda for the show, and it is this. I'm in a great mood. We have an unbelievable high school game tonight that I get chance to a a broadcast from Rome High School. Collins Hill in Rome has just got college prospects on both sides of the ball, both sidelines. It's just going to be a great game. I'm so excited about that. Y'all, tomorrow between the hedges, 93,000 people uh, tailgating again, getting together with friends. You know, you think about the old Crispy Clark song about, you know, uh, 85,000, whatever it was back then, of your closest friends. It's more than that now. You know, folks seeing each other in a way they probably haven't seen each other, maybe in some cases more than a year. Some of those folks you tailgate with, you only see them during that time. So it's going to be a great day in Athens tomorrow. And I just want to be happy about all of that. You know, we're also in the midst of a season, and there's kind of an unknown status for the Georgia quarterbacks. You know, how healthy is JT Daniels? Does he start play the entire game? Does he not play at all? Does he do like some quarterbacks do in games like this, play some, then come out of the game, and chance to see Carson back in extended action for the first time in his Georgia career? There's, there's all kinds of like serious football subplots, and I appreciate all of those. But, you know, sometimes it's just kind of nice to appreciate a Friday, right? It's just kind of nice to think about uh, NFL last night. Great game between the Bucks and the Cowboys. Big slate of that. You know, when, once the NFL begins, you have this cool rhythm that you get into where it's like first Thursday night, roll into college football, high school football on Friday night, Monday night game, usually a doubleheader to start the season. Then you're back playing NFL again on Thursday. It's like once the NFL starts, you get into this rhythm where it's just like sports, 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 and you just love that. So right now there's a lot for all of us to be happy about and I don't want to get too fixated on you know quarterback drama injury parsing words and all that kind of stuff so we're gonna to try to be pretty happy and try to kind of leave today on a very happy note and just celebrate what I think tomorrow in Athens has a chance to be just such a fun day because you know when you didn't get a chance to experience the season a year ago and I, I was there lucky enough to be there for those games last year most of you were not and you were missed the TV ratings were lower without you. The atmosphere was awful without you. If I go the rest of my life without hearing that fake crowd noise pumped in at Sanford Stadium or uh, uh, you know all the other road venues George went to a year ago, it's just not the same thing. It did not work. It, it made the game seem even more fake than they actually uh, really were. So tomorrow is just one of those days to be happy about. And so we're going to try to kind of end this week, end this show on a pretty happy note there too. So with that in mind, you know, one of the things I do a lot during the week is I kind of listen in on national media and I'm always curious what folks outside the bubble of Dog Nation are saying about UGA. Because... I think that we're so into it. We're so deep into it. Not just into it in terms we follow it, but we're deep into it. We're surrounded by it. And and sometimes, you know, when you uh, really uh, zoom in on an image, your clarity is is lessened and worsened the closer that you get to it. But when you pull back, sometimes you can see more clearly what it is. So every now and then, it's kind of nice to hear national media take on Georgia because there is a chance that the wide angle view or the 10,000 foot view offers a clearer picture of what's happening what's actually going on sometimes more so than the more zoomed in view that we uh, might provide oftentimes that's not the case sometimes it can be 
And so I'm always listening to what, you know, talking heads are saying because it may or may not have value to the audience. And I heard this the other day, what I'm about to play for you in a moment. I, I heard this the other day and I was like, this is too dumb. I, I can't play this uh, on the show. People, people will, you know, just kind of laugh this off the, uh, off the set here. But then thinking about the mood for the show today, it's like, ah, we're kind of in a good mood. Uh, it's going to be a fun football weekend. Why not kind of finish on, you know, kind of a, a bizarre note here? So maybe maybe I will play that audio. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to play it for you. So there's a guy named Dan Orlovsky, who of all like the talking head guys that kind of show up on those ESPN shows. And frankly, I, I can't tell, you know, one from the next most of the time because they're all kind of doing the same shtick. But I would say that Orlovsky, typically speaking, is one of the stranger ones to me for, for a number of reasons. And I, I guess if he cuts through the clutter that much, he must be doing something right. But I, I kind of view him of all the people like and I'm like, <laughs> as I'm saying this, I've got two TV screens in front of me and it's literally like, you know, screaming people into the into the camera here doing the same, you know, like hot take type shtick, which I actually kind of enjoy. Some people don't. I'm, I'm kind of entertained by it. But, but the point is, of all the people who do that thing for a living, I would say that Orlovsky, if you've seen him, to me is about the strangest. And he had a very strange take the other day for why Georgia was maybe the top contender to Alabama threat to knock Alabama off the perch at the top of the college football world and win the national championship and if you and I wanted to have a serious conversation about that we could cite I don't know dozens of examples why that potentially could happen and they would mostly be kept within the realm of what we typically expect to see unfold on the football field Orlovsky though in the span of about 20 seconds brings up uh, uh, a reason why Georgia might be better than Alabama that if I gave you an hour to come up with, I'm not quite so sure you would have. This is pretty odd, but on a Friday when we're kind of in a good mood, let's let you hear Dan Orlovsky touting Georgia for the national championship over Alabama for quite a bizarre reason. This is Dan Orlovsky. I think it's Georgia because to beat Alabama, you got to have butts. You got to have dudes with big butts. Like that, it, this, that's just the way to put it. In that conference, it's about having big backsides at the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. And Georgia's the one team that at least can be capable to play at the line of scrimmage with Alabama. So there you go. The size of Georgia's derriers of the offensive and defensive linemen are the reason that Georgia will beat Alabama later on this season. I think at this point in time, we can now say we've heard it all, right? From the time that, like, the hot take talking season starts in, you know, kind of early spring, rolling through the summer, first couple of weeks of the season where people are overreacting to what they saw week one. After a while, every take that could be half is just kind of spewed out. And that was the last one. I think that was the last one that hadn't been expressed that the uh, size of the Georgia waistlines, the uh, the size of the Georgia derriers, the uh, reason why on the offensive-defensive line that Georgia can beat Alabama. And I think at this point in time, we can now close the book and say all the takes have now been expressed. However, since I'm contractually obligated to have a take on everything, even someone else's take, you know, I guess here's what I'll say about what Orlovsky says there, and it's actually kind of somewhat relevant for the UAB game, and it's also somewhat relevant for what's going to play out around college football this weekend. That what Orlovsky describes is probably pretty important, right? You know, big, beefy offensive and defensive linemen controlling the action of the line of scrimmage. That matters in most every game you play. It certainly mattered for Georgia last week, and especially on the defensive line, because Clemson was just put in handcuffs by what Georgia was doing with its defensive front, all those linemen that rotates and plays, but just the front seven in general, that the the size, the stature, the, the physical dominance there at the defensive line of scrimmage was a huge reason that Georgia beat Clemson a week ago. And part of the reason why most Georgia fans don't expect UGA to be challenged at all for the next several weeks, and 
it is at least possible that Georgia's not challenged at all for the rest of the regular season. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of things here. It would be unlikely that'd be the case because 11 college football games, just a long stretch to go without having something weird sort of happen for you. But it is possible that Georgia runs through the rest of the 11 games of the regular season, doesn't get challenged in any of them. Uh, and the reason why most Georgia fans are confident now post Clemson of most of what remains on Georgia's regular season schedule is some of what Dan Orlovsky discusses there, the strength along the line of scrimmage. However, can we agree with this? And maybe we do, maybe we don't, but it's certainly my opinion that the problem with college football right now is, is what got you here won't get you there. That what you do to get through the regular season, including a Clemson team on Saturday because of how good the Georgia defense played that you may be able to win those regular season games with line of scrimmage, but when you actually think about December against Alabama, that's a different kind of game. Look who has beaten Alabama the last couple of years and how they've done it. Think about LSU in Tuscaloosa in 2019. Think about Clemson National Championship in 2018. Think about the teams that really put the big offensive performance together to do that. That wasn't line of scrimmage. That was that was guys on the outside. That was wide outs. That was quarterback play. That was dynamic playmakers. That's what LSU used in 2019. That's what Clemson used in 2018. That's how Alabama has been beaten in the rare instances when they have been beaten that also goes back to what we talked about a lot this you know this this week that the good thing for Georgia is now that it's gotten past the test of Clemson there's actually a little ways to go before Georgia has another test and what Georgia gets the chance to do is something that I was never very good at when I was actually in school you know how like when you're in college or in high school and you know you got a big test coming up uh, a couple of months from now and you got all kinds of time to study but you actually don't do the work the preparation that you need to do to be ready for that test when it comes I was always very guilty of that well hopefully the Georgia coaches and players aren't that way because the next big final exam they face doesn't come till December the odds are whether it's pretty or not Georgia probably wins easy on Saturday against UAB and then easy against South Carolina and Vanderbilt and maybe even easy against Arkansas and Auburn and then you kind of roll on maybe Georgia's tested by Florida maybe it isn't but all of this has the feel of preparation for the big test that'll matter against Alabama and as much as I kind of laugh at Dan Orlovsky talking about the size of the Georgia players backsides the beef on the line of scrimmage only gets you so far against a team that also has that beef along the line of scrimmage that point in time it becomes who utilizes their playmakers better who identifies their playmakers and then utilizes them when effective game plan and Alabama has been so good at that for so long it's I'm really envious as a fan of the way that Alabama just seems to regenerate that year after year I'm also hopeful though that Georgia can use part of the day on Saturday and many days to come to kind of take steps in that direction as dynamic as the Crimson Tide was in 2020 or LSU was the year before that uh, that's probably asking too much but it may not be necessary to be quite that dynamic the only thing that really matters is can you be more dynamic than you've been can you get healthier can you get more experience for guys that need it can you beat up on overmatched opponents can you look good while doing so and can you utilize a game plan that does to a Crimson Tide defense, if you do play him in December, what Steve Sarkeesian as the Crimson Tide offensive coordinator did to so many people, including Georgia, a year ago? Can you exploit it pre-snap? Can you can you find opportunities as the play is developing? Wide receivers crossing off of each other, playing off of each other. That's what the next few weeks are about. It's what Saturday's about there, too. We're in a good mood about the pageantry and the tailgating and the fun, but once 3.30 comes, the game kicks off, it's a chance for Georgia to get better, to take that step to be the kind of team that can be as much a part of the conversation come December in the championship picture as it appears to be right now. 
My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger and Glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us here today live on video we actually start our first and 15 at 9 45 in the morning dog nation facebook and excuse me the dog nation homepage of the dog nation app your chance to watch right there we take comments we've been giving some t-shirts away actually that's been kind of a fun thing to do there those dog nation invasion t-shirts from last weekend celebrating a great win against clemson we've been doing that so if you've never checked us out on video at dognation.com or the dog nation app it's really easy to find right there at 9 45 show begins and then once 10 o'clock rolls around we welcome in the rest of the video audience you can just roll right on and watch the show right there on our own platforms dognation.com the dog nation app of course podcast apple spotify the google player for the uh, android folks um a lot of you listen right there on soundcloud i know we had a little bit of an issue at dognation.com for a couple days this week but that's now back up and running so we're all good there on that front to get you ready to kind of binge some of those podcasts to get up for the upcoming weekend so good stuff all the way around radio could leave that out at noon on athens sports radio 960 the ref that's good stuff too and it's all presented today by our friends at kroger and listen a lot of you looking forward to your first tailgate tomorrow, maybe in quite some time. Well, you can make that tailgate a triumph, big savings with our friends at Kroger. All kinds of game day savings from the barbecue supplies, uh, the chips, the snacks. You can even get team decorated cupcakes, which sounds amazing to me. First of all, I just love cupcakes, period. But imagine like a red and black, maybe a little silver accent uh, going on with some of those uh, team decorated cupcakes from our friends at Kroger. That's good stuff there, too. Website you can go to find out more about this. It's Kroger.com slash football. That's Kroger.com slash football, and you can find more about that today. Uh, really uh, appreciate all of that. All right, so, uh, Jeff Sintel here coming up in a, a moment. We're going to talk to him about the aftermath from a recruiting standpoint of what happened for Georgia against Clemson, including specifically five-star defensive tackle Bear Alexander. We will look ahead to possible visitors for the UAB game, and we'll talk about, you know, uh, relatively big name in the 2022 class it also seems to be getting close to a decision we'll do a lot of that kind of stuff with jeff Sintel here in a couple of minutes time before we do that though today i do want to get ready to go around the doghouse and it's presented today by our friends at marco's pizza and i mentioned this i think to our video audience a moment ago i am loath to want to give credit to um a florida gator for anything but actually i felt like speaking of like espn talking head type people I felt like a former Florida Gator actually offered a pretty good take on Georgia this week. And this is an example of, I think, uh, a national media type really kind of zeroing in on what's pretty obvious to Georgia fans. So let me set this up, then I'm going to say something about it. So Jesse Palmer, the former Florida quarterback, goes on, uh, I guess Stephen A. Smith's got a podcast as if he wasn't doing enough stuff already. He also has a podcast. And... In the midst of this conversation, uh, Stephen A. expressed some skepticism about Georgia for what it did against Clemson, winning but maybe not being pretty while doing so, at least in the eyes of Stephen A. And I thought that that Jesse Palmer, the former Florida quarterback, someone I typically would not want to give any credit to, I thought the way in which he broke down the Georgia defensive performance, I think, was really astute. And I think it points to something we've been trying to say on this show for a while. What you saw from Georgia on Saturday was not same old Georgia, good defensively, not yet good offensively. That's not what it was. Because while Georgia has been good defensively in the past, it hasn't been nearly as dynamic against a good team as it was on Saturday. And yes, I still think Clemson's a good team. Yes, I still think Clemson's an explosive offense. But they were not able to show that against Georgia on Saturday because of how dynamic with the pass rush Georgia was. We all noticed that. 
Did the national media notice? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But credit to the former Florida quarterback because he seems aware of that. This is Jesse Palmer with Stephen A. Smith. I'm looking at Georgia, and I saw Georgia beat Clemson 10-3, and everybody's making such a big deal about it. I understand it from a defensive standpoint that defense looked elite, but let's be real. It wasn't exactly Trevor Lawrence out there quarterbacking for Clemson this go-round, okay? Okay, so I look at it from that perspective, and I also look at the fact that offensively, Georgia only generated three points. That ain't going to cut it against Alabama. What is your take on what you saw from Georgia this weekend? First off, the defense, because that's the elephant in the room. Anytime you get seven sacks in a game on Clemson, you hold them to, I think it was 180 total yards. I'm sorry, but that's just impressive. And it had me wondering, Stephen A., is this the best defense Kirby Smart has ever coached at Georgia? And that's saying a lot. Every year they've got NFL talent, and every year you know they're going to stop the run. They're physical. They pride themselves on that. Last year led the nation in rush defense. They usually have one or two pass rushers. Last year, it was Aziz Ojolari. This year, watching that game, Stephen A., there's like three or four different linebackers that can get home. They've got 310, 340-pound D linemen that are splitting double teams and getting home. Jordan Davis is a 350-pound nose guard. Mm. With quickness and suddenness, he gets home. So this is a unique special defense. That's a guy who watched the game right there. Not every national media person does, right? They they read snippets. They say what their producer tells them to say. They're just, for whatever reason, too busy to actually watch the sport they cover. Jesse Palmer watched the George Clemson game. At least you get the impression that he did because it would be very easy to say, oh, George was good defensively, but we've seen that from George before. Not this defense on Saturday, you hadn't. We started the week by saying it's the best defensive performance from Georgia in a big game since I've been following the program and I'm, you know, in my early 40s. I can't remember Georgia playing a better game defensively than it played in a big spot than it played against Clemson on Saturday. This is a team that's been good at limiting yards, good at limiting points, but on Saturday they scored points. On Saturday they affected the game. They ended any chance that DJ Uyunglele had to make a big play by sacking him more than any quarterback has been sacked since Dabo Swinney has been head coach at Clemson it was a different kind of defensive performance from Georgia on Saturday now you still need better offense we all understand that but good for Jesse Palmer identifying the fact that what you saw from Georgia this past weekend was not just the same old good defense we've been seeing for years it was actually a Georgia defense because of the depth of the linebackers the depth of the defensive line that actually took it to another level and I'm glad to see Jesse Palmer notice that it's around the doghouse it's delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza and obviously football fans as you're watching pro football last night maybe watching me on TV tonight college and pro again as we head towards the weekend obviously you know the pizza's great pairing when it comes to all that and marco's pizza is the best choice of all whether it's because of the oh so craveable crust the three cheeses blended and melted together marco's is just a great option and not to be outdone the terrific savings there as well how about this simple deal that's just good for everybody a large one topping pizza right now just nine 99. That's a great deal for a great pizza, and you can order it with the Marcos app or online at marcos.com. Of course, participation may vary, so check your local store for more details on that. But when it comes to Marco Marcos Pizza, pizza lovers get it, and you can get some for yourself here this weekend. All right, before we're done, a lot of you have said, "BA, you got to play some of Georgia linebacker Channing Tindall's terrific press conference from the other day because they enjoyed it that much. If you haven't seen it on the Dog Nation YouTube page, you can. So we will play the hits on that and give you a chance to hear some of that before we're done. And I thought that Tindall made a pretty important point in what he brought up about the Georgia defense. So we'll do that uh, before we're done today. But for now, 
big look back at who was at the Clemson game, who was impressed by what they saw, what the UAB game could mean from a recruiting standpoint, big names that are kind of on the move around UGA with this 2022 class and so much more. Let's go on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Jeff's going to be with us tonight for a very fun game there at the uh, legendary Barron Stadium in beautiful Rome, Georgia. I I can't wait, Jeff, in a moment to preview Collins Hill Rome with you because I think it's going to be just a terrific football game. Uh, But before that, though, we've got some recruiting business to take care of here as we go on the road, uh, assisted by AAA here today. And I want to start with something you've written at DogNation.com this week. The appearance by five-star defensive lineman Bear Alexander at the Clemson game last week and his feelings about that, kind of where things stand. It was a timely update with Big Bear after having been in Charlotte for the game. We said on last week's show that while I am skeptical he goes anywhere but Texas A&M, there is clearly some value and meaning to him you know, coming across the country, halfway across the country anyway, to be in Charlotte last weekend. So you had a chance to catch up with him after the Clemson game. I hope folks will read the story at dognation.com, but give us a little thumbnail of kind of where things stand with Big Bear after a big win for UGA. Hey, good morning, everybody, Brandon. That's a solid uh, intro. Got all those bigs in there. I'm going to tell you what was big uh, was the Georgia people. The the the, the I guess the logistics of the way that uh, visit went, Brandon. This is a game day visit. Every player got a ticket to get in the game. Uh, that was the game pass. They also got two, kind of like a plus two, uh, to go along with them. So there really wasn't any chance for recruiting face-to-face or interactive recruiting. Uh, by the Georgia staff. They just kind of had, had to let the performance speak for itself uh, against Clemson, which it clearly did. Uh, but you know who recruited Big Bear Alexander really well on Saturday? Not just Jalen Walker, not just the Georgia commitments like Gunnar Stockton, Malachi Starks, but it was really dog nation, man. Uh, Bear said he was recognized a ton. I think when you're six foot three, 320 pounds, six foot three and a half, you're a five star. Everybody knew him as a commit. Everybody knows him now as a major remaining target. Everybody just said hi, man. They said, uh, come up and see. They came up and saw him because maybe they'd seen him. Kind of looked like a gentle giant uh, on our Dog Nation uh, programming when he committed, uh, when he was about to commit. Um, So they said hi over and over and over again. Bear kind of said he was getting talked up a lot. He had a, it looked to me like he had a pair of like rage glasses on and those Ray Charles glasses, and he had a big beaming smile and soaking it all up and really loved the way the dogs played. I think it was key for him to have heard it so much. You know, and one of the things, Brandon, that these recruits have seen from Georgia, because they're not going to trade on promises anymore. What they're doing is they're sharing practice footage of like, hey, man, we're saying we're going to do it, and here's us doing it in practice. Here's us doing it against our offense. Uh, it goes for both offense and defensive prospects. And uh, they and Bear's kind of one of his big takeaways, but he loved how big 99 Jordan Day was yeah. played, of course. Yeah. Um, he also really loved how they got after the, the quarterback and pressured uh, kind of in the way that he was hoping to see that it would. And, um, the, I mean, the biggest thing that folks want to hear about Bear's recruiting is he told me Georgia, uh, he was committed to Georgia before. It felt like home then. He decommitted. He came back to Georgia in late July. Still felt like home, even though he was a decommitment. 
And he just said his decision has gotten a lot harder now, and it'll get even harder when he takes the Texas A&M visit as well. Well, it's one of the reasons why I thought Georgia's game on Saturday was so important because if I put myself in the mind of Big Bear Alexander, and I can't presume to know exactly what he's thinking, but I can assume that when you see a guy like Jordan Davis, who is an easy comp for Big Bear, looking like not just a space-eating defensive tackle, but looking like an actual star. And I'll be completely honest with you, Jeff. At one point in time, you know, I was pretty skeptical about what I thought name image likeness was going to do for college football. I still have my concerns. But at this point in time, all you can do is really embrace it, right? I mean, we are in a day and age where, you know, players are going to be, you know, looking at that kind of thing based on the decision they make. And Big Bear's already recognizable. As you said, Georgia fans can spot him in the stadium and know that it's him. That's what he has going for him. He's got a great nickname there as well. And as a Georgia fan, what you kind of hope is, oh, so I've already got this cachet because of my nickname, because of the fact that I'm just a big guy, easily noticed, and I can be in a system that can make a star out of me the way that Georgia seems on the verge of making a star out of Jordan Davis. You know, it's hard to pull a guy like that out of his home state of Texas, especially with Texas A&M making a pretty good offer to him right now. I think Mike Elko is a terrific defensive coordinator there for the Aggies. You know, that's a, that's a tough team to battle against. But the combination of all that, gigantic fan base, Georgia has it. Um, connection to big media market, Georgia has that. Defensive coordinator and Dan Lanning that showed on Saturday that he knows how to move the pieces around the chessboard and get some of those highlight-type moments that, that also add to all of that. I mean – that's not a bad pitch, right? It's, it's not a bad pitch for Big Bear at all at that point. It's not. Uh, Bear actually has family in Georgia, uh, especially the metro Atlanta area. A neat little side road about Bear is his original high school um, was a high school, uh, Terrell High School in Texas. And, Brendan, I know like you always love to have uh, Hollywood references in your programs, but um, – that's the same high school that Jamie Foxx attended. Okay. And, you know, there's some connections there. I'm not saying that they're having Thanksgiving or Fourth of July together, but, um, you know, Jamie Foxx kind of kind of takes an interest in players or people that, you know, try to make it out of his hometown and his home high school. Uh, very interesting uh, there with that kind of family group. But, you know, Brendan, I think it's going to come down to, you know, you talk about building a star and kind of a megawatt star presence. Um, I think it's going to come down to, you know, maybe it's going to be crucial on the last few visits because I think Bear's going to visit Georgia at least a couple more times. He told me he's going to give Georgia an official visit for a game most likely. So I read that was kind of good news for Georgia folks to know that he was going to use an official on Georgia as well. Uh, Texas A&M still hasn't gotten an official visit either. Um, but I think Georgia seems to me, if, let's just be honest, let's be frank, the national profile of the Georgia defense is a lot higher. When people think of Georgia right now, they think of defense. When yeah. people think of Texas A&M, they kind of think of Jimbo Fisher and a lot of offense and, you know, very sound uh, offensive game plan. And I think that's where Georgia kind of has an edge here in terms of, you know, there's going to be an NIL package created for Big Bear Alexander that's going to be Texas size. And I think, I think the challenge here for Georgia is a package or a pitch that comes close to that or gets near to that, which really makes it a really hard thing to figure out considering, you know, we all remember the photo, Brandon. He's, he's standing next to Jordan Davis. It's inside the uh, house of pain. And those two guys, I mean, bears a couple of inches shorter than, than Jordan, but the barrel chest, I don't know if he's an exact player 
compliment where he's going to soak up two blocks. I don't think Bear is that two for, two on me. Somebody's coming free uh, type zero tech knows, but I think Bear's going to do a lot of big things and be just as impactful on a college defensive line. Let me bounce around a couple of the recruiting stories here for a moment as we go on the road, assisted by AAA. Saw where Carlton Madden, he's obviously coming close to making a college decision. And I guess the big headline with him this week was, was maybe going to take a official visit to Tennessee for the pit game and now not going to. Of course, Vols fans may be happy not to have him there. They get dragged by the Panthers on Saturday. But nonetheless, you know, it, it sounds like that's pivotal, Getting to you know, just given the fact we're getting to the end of uh, Madden's decision timeline here. What is the latest there on Carlton Madden? Yeah, so Madden, I think he's, I think he's eight days away right now. Uh, he told me that he's probably going to be at Georgia on, on Saturday. I know that's kind of good news. Um when you can reschedule a, an official visit to Tennessee to go watch Georgia play a better team, perhaps, in a UAB uh, between the hedges on Saturday. A lot of interest right now around the Cedar Grove program because not only is Georgia recruiting uh, T.J. Madden very well, they're recruiting Christian Miller very well. And Christian Miller is actually taking a very impactful official visit up to Ohio State for the Oregon game. Now, you want to talk about, you know, Ohio State grand recruiting weekend where they're going to fire a lot of shots for this uh, 2022 cycle. Uh, that's going to be big for Christian Miller there because I think his de facto final three is always going to have USC, Georgia, and Ohio State in there. Um, Oregon is actually the fourth team, I think, on his final four, so that's why it makes a lot of sense for him to see both Ohio State and Oregon. Um, and then you also you got big play K, Kyan Lee, who is a top-10 corner in the 2023 class out of the St. Cedar Grove High School defense. Um, with, with Carlton Madden making his decision on September the 18th, obviously that would be an opportunity for him to again come to Athens potentially uh, or show up somewhere else on September the 18th. I know the Bulldogs will have a home game against South Carolina that day. Um, so there's a lot of intrigue there, I think. Really, Brandon, everybody wants news and everybody wants juice, but – I think things are just kind of matriculating right now with recruiting. I know Dan Lanning and the whole staff got on the phone with a bunch of 2023s uh, last night, a bunch of really top prospects for 2023. And really the visit list for Saturday outside of uh, C.J. Madden is, and the commitments that are always going to be there is a lot of work that's going to be done on the 2024, the 2023, and the 2025 recruiting classes. This is a game where Georgia gets all those guys in there let them soak up Sanford Stadium in a big spot. And I think that's when the seeds of a, a strong recruitment pitch happen with a, an initial game visit, like the first one in Sanford, Brandon, since I look, went back and look, looked, at my, looked at my records. That was in December against Texas A&M in yeah. 2019. That's the last time we were all together in a full stadium capacity at Sanford Stadium. No, it's going to be awesome. I want to talk to you more about that coming up. And first, though, let me remind folks we're on the road, assisted by AAA here today. And obviously, AAA offers us assistance when we're traveling around the southeast and, of course, across the state of Georgia here this time of year. They can also offer you assistance for also one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. I'm talking about life insurance because you're talking about protecting your family, your loved ones, the children that you take care of, 
your wages, your income, if it were to be lost because of your unfortunate passing, you want to make sure that your family is taken care of after all that. And that's what AAA Financial Services can do for you. One of their associates can walk you through the process and help you make the best decision, best rates, best opportunities. That's what AAA is going to provide from a life insurance standpoint. There are three different ways for you to get in touch. You can give them a call, 866-695-0222. That's 866-695-0222. You can stop by a AAA office. You can talk in person to somebody right there. Always a great chance to do that. Or you can check out AAA.com slash life. That's the, uh, the the web address. AAA.com slash life. AAA.com slash life. And find out more about that. It's one of the most important decisions you can make. It's an obligation we have to take care of those that we're responsible for. Our wives, our, our children, our spouse, our, our, uh, our families. And life insurance from AAA, a great way to do that. So uh, check out all those options available for you there today. Jeff, your update with Marcus Groves Killer Brew this week, who's having a you know terrific season there for uh, North Cobb here in the metro Atlanta area was certainly very interesting to see and interesting to see Groves Killebrew there also speak very openly about hey I'd still love to see Kamari Wilson as part of this class there as well we haven't talked much about the five-star safety Wilson uh, all that much lately uh, where do things uh, stand with Kamari right now so uh, I'd look for this Brandon uh, another reason for you to supersize the uh, moment whenever Sam Pittman comes into town but Brandon, that's probably shaping up for the 2022 cycle is the biggest official visit weekend um, for 2022 prospects for a game day visit. Um, IMG's got a bye week that week, and that's likely when Kamari Wilson is going to take his um, official visit to Georgia. A lot of other guys, I think everybody saw the Florida Gator commitment. Uh, Julio, Julian is actually his real name, Humphrey. Brandon, that's a super fast cornerback out of Texas. Um, he actually trolled Texas A&M when he committed to Florida back in May. Um, he started out his commitment edit with a Texas A&M logo for about 10 seconds, and then he pops up the Gators. Now, Georgia's gotten in the mix there as well, kind of kind of watching things happen with the DB class, you know, Dayon Bowie. Um, they've really gotten in, in a good spot there with uh, Julio Humphrey and Brandon you want to talk about fast, this is another kind of fast. Uh, he's 10.55 in the 100 meters. Uh, really good prospect. I think he's a top 130 overall prospect. I know it catches your eye that he's currently committed to Florida. But with Wilson, that's the time when I expect him to take his official visit to Georgia. He took at least two visits to Georgia, maybe three visits to Georgia during June and June and July when the pandemic um, green light went on after that where you could – kind of show up on campus again for at least a short time of about six weeks. Um, Brandon, he's been number one on the top targets list for us on Before the Edges um, ever since Branson Robinson committed. Uh, this is a guy that I think his upside coming into Georgia is higher than the D'Angelo Gibbs, the uh, Richard LeCount the thirds when they were prospects. Um, ball hawk, but very physical enforcer that will come down and be very physical at the point of attack. Uh Muschamp has had a great influence on his recruiting. Uh, so has a die. So is Kirby Smart. So is the also one of the things I thought that was interesting the way Georgia was doing it. They kind of uh, the commitments kind of all got together on a Zoom and they said, "Now who are you getting? We're all getting Warren. To, you know, I'm going to be that guy that is in his ear about the dogs." And uh, Marquise Gross, Killebrew picked Kamari Wilson. Those guys talk about once a week and uh, number one safety in the country, Brandon. 
uh, five-star recruit. I think he's number 19 nationally. And uh, you look at Georgia's safety spot, that's kind of thin behind uh, Lewis Steen and Chris Smith in terms of upper echelon players. I know David Daniels coming back from uh, uh, that incident that happened to him on campus. But uh, that's a safety spot where Kamari Wilson likes the dogs, and the dogs kind of have an opening with a – a lot of guys that aren't long for the program as well, looking toward the NFL. You mentioned this a little bit earlier. Give me a thumbnail sketch, if you don't mind. You talked about the possibility that Carlton Madden could be there this weekend, but uh, and you also kind of previewed a, a future game there as well. But give me a little bit more of an idea of the kind of player that might be in Athens on Saturday afternoon for the UAB game. Yeah, so I would look at him in tiers. I would look at him as upper tier to middle tier uh 2023 recruits. I think one of the bigger ones that caught my eye was uh, State of Georgia offensive lineman Madden Sanker. Uh, Madden Sanker is a uh, you know another one of those state wrestling champions. Uh, he does cartwheels and backflips. He's that agile as an interior offensive line prospect. Really likes Georgia a whole lot. He'll be there. That's a top 100 recruit in the 2023 class. I think it's going to be a lot of. Uh, I guess they would say first dates, Brandon. That's the best way to say that. I can't think of a much better first dates for a lot of folks across all walks of life than a game at Sanford Stadium. But uh, the the first chance to really make a big impact with 2024s and 2025s, it sounds so weird saying 2025s because my kids are almost that age, but those are freshmen in high school right now. And um, nobody, none of these young men in 24 and 25 have ever – really been at a big-time college football game, especially a place like Georgia. So Georgia's going to obviously knock those guys' socks off if that's their first visit um, and go forward with a lot of guys. But Shanker's a guy, Madden's a guy. I, you're not going to see, uh, you know, the five-star five stars in on their official visit this weekend. Of course, the UAB opponent kind of speaks to that a little bit. Um, but uh, it's certainly a time for that West end zone section to be filled with recruits once again and that in itself is kind of a big story no i think you're right about that and what's going to be a big story as well tonight we'll finish up with this uh peachtree tv a lot of folks will be streaming this really across the country at cbs46.com a chance to be at Barron stadium one of the great venues for high school football in the state of georgia for really one of the best games we're going to have all year long with rome hosting collins hill obviously folks know if you follow recruiting in the state of georgia well you know the story with collins hill with you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Sam Horn, the quarterback, going to Missouri. Obviously, Travis Hunter, one of the most dynamic players I can remember seeing in the state of Georgia for quite some time. However, Jeff, there's interest for Georgia fans on the Rome side here. Think about Stephon Green here for a moment, a defensive lineman in a future class. It's got a Georgia offer. I think that Martavius Collins, the 2024 tight end, is a very interesting prospect here who I think in the next couple of years you'll be talking a lot more about. One of those tight ends that kind of plays a lot of that kind of flex-in type position here. So there's college prospects on both teams, both sides of the ball. Certainly Hunter's the huge name because of just how dynamic that he is. But there's some guys on that Rome side that have Georgia offers and are going to be getting a lot of attention in the uh, months to come there as well. This is as good as it gets on a Friday night with our friends at Score Atlanta, Peachtree TV, and CBS 46 tonight. Wow, man, that's a lot of words, Brandon. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. And Brandon, I know you follow golf. I don't know how well you followed golf, uh, maybe ten to fifteen years ago. But there was a there was a term that was kind of used called "best player never to win a major." I think it was John Feinstein that kind of coined that in his writing. But the, I mean, here's here, the thing you got to say is about Travis Hunter, folks. Is it's kind of like watching. Um, it's kind of like looking at, you know, whatever your parents told you when you're a little kid that's like, you can't touch it, 
you can just only look at it. And that's kind of what it's got to be like for Georgia fans watching Travis Hunter tonight. Um, that It's just something that I would call him the best player uh, in the state of Georgia that Georgia really has no shot with in at least the last five or six years, maybe the best one ever. Because um, it's just different. I mean, Travis shut down his recruiting basically essentially – uh, when he committed to Florida State, he wasn't even entertaining phone calls and not a lot of the normal theatrics last year during his junior season. You want to talk about a guy that will immediately move the dial for Florida State football. Uh, Hunter is that guy. He is a he is a lockdown five-star cornerback type talent. If Georgia was was would have would have been so fortunate to sign Travis Hunter, he would be the best cornerback prospect that Georgia has ever signed. In under Kirby Smart, you flip him over to the offensive side of the ball, he's probably as good as any wide receiver prospect that Georgia has signed. You want to talk about a guy that makes like scouters, scouting types like myself and evaluator types like myself go, man, this guy's just different. You know, I know it sounds theatrical, but if there was ever a way where the industry would give a kid a six star, I think that would be, I think it would be worthy and it would make a lot of sense for Travis Hunter. The reason why I say this is you got to go, man, look at all these other five stars we've seen, the Trevor Lawrences, the Justin Fields, the Nolan Smiths, yada, yada, yada. Um, how is he any different from those guys? Well, the thing with Travis Hunter is, is he is he is a five-star on the defensive side of the ball, at cornerback at a premium position, and he is a five-star on the offensive side of the ball at wide receiver. He is also a five-star in the return game. So you're really talking about two or three positions on the field he can directly affect with his great ability. I think he's caught like 40 touchdown passes as a receiver uh, in high school football, in 7A high school football in the state of Georgia. Man, he I'm going to quote uh, Joe Winden, who is one of the best uh, scouters, uh, one of the best talent evaluators. He runs a service called National Press, which uh, has all the SEC schools as clients where they evaluate people, players across the southeast. and. He has a great line. He says, you know, the guys that Georgia recruits and the Floridas and the Alabamas, those guys are dudes, and those guys are just special. But then there's another threshold for a guy like Travis Hunter, and he just calls a guy like that a freaking alien. Um, and I think that's pretty well said because if you're looking for a level beyond the five-star, then Travis Hunter brings all of that. Um, if there was a high school fantasy football league, uh, for the state of Georgia, you can bet your bottom dollar that you'll be picking Travis Hunter first overall. It is going to be a great night tonight. Uh, Petrie TV here on TV and in the Atlanta area, of course, all across the state and really around the world, uh, streaming at CBS46.com. Looking forward to be with you for that, Jeff. Of course, Rusty Manziel on hand there as well, and Kaylee Manziel uh, there too. So it's going to be a busy, busy one all the way around. We'll look forward to seeing you on TV tonight for all that. Jeff, thanks for being here on the road. Assisted by AAA here today. We'll look forward to seeing you in Athens tomorrow. And, of course, back here again on Dog Nation Daily very soon as well. Hey, guys, stick around for that Channing Tindall sound that Brandon's going to give you. That's a heck of an interview, and you guys will get a real kick out of it. Why, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. And as Jeff promised, we'll let you hear from Channing Tindall, the Georgia linebacker, coming up in a moment. Just really good stuff all the way around. We're not going to have time to do a ton of it. You're going to have to hear the rest of it. Go to the Dog Nation YouTube page and you can hear the entire thing, but not until after the show is done. So we got some more stuff to do for you here right now. In fact, one of the things I want to encourage you on this weekend is you're getting ready to make your tailgate everything that it can be. Stock up on the beverages that make it the most fun of all. I'm talking about the Finnish long drink. What beautiful weather. It's about last night. 
I so wanted to go outside and just kind of sit on the uh, back porch for uh, our Cover 4 Live broadcast last night because it's just such perfect weather. And when it's perfect weather on the outside like that, uh, as we kind of head towards kind of those early days of fall where it can be really, really fun, I'm sure we'll have some hot weather again too, but you know what I'm saying. Just, you know, good times all the way around. The finished long drink, just such a great choice when it comes to that kind of thing. Uh, you can go to the longdrink.com and find out where you can pick it up wherever you are. There's four different varieties. You can decide which one you think would be the best choice for you, which one you think you'd like the best, because I promise you there's one that's just perfect for you, whether it's the cranberry version here, whether it's the long drink strong, which comes in a black can, which is 8.5% alcohol by volume, which is kind of a fun thing to enjoy. Obviously, you got the long drink traditional. It comes in a blue can. It's kind of like a – it's almost like a, a gin grapefruit type mix. You get like the citrus flavor with the, uh, the nice liquor kick that goes along with that. It looks like a beer, but it's not. It's in a can, so it looks like a beer. But it's really a ready-to-drink cocktail that you can pop the top and drink it like, you know, a cocktail out of the can. Or my wife likes to pour hers into a glass, and that's a cool thing to be able to do there as well. It's just easy, fun to enjoy, and really delicious there too. So thelongdrink.com, you can read the story about how it ended up in the United States of America coming over from Finland and now how it's in Georgia and really wherever you are there as well. So decide and learn where you can pick some up at thelongdrink.com. All right, a little bit of an overview of the college football weekend here which on paper to a lot of people does not seem like a great weekend. We are college football obsessives, so we kind of view the weekend a little differently than some do. And in fact, I think this is what I've kind of zeroed in on, the big storyline of the SEC for this weekend. Now, on the one hand, it it kind of seems like, well, you've got a lot of SEC teams who are in underdog spots, obviously Arkansas against Texas. South Carolina has been one briefly against East Carolina, but at this point in time, that's kind of swung back the other way. Obviously, uh, you know, Mississippi State's a big underdog against NC State. Or not a big underdog, but they're a home underdog against NC State. Uh, Tennessee's an underdog to Pitt. You've got these, you know, underdog spots here for some of these SEC teams. And then at first blush, just seems kind of unusual because you don't see a lot of early season non-conference games with this many SEC teams who've been positioned in the underdog role. But beyond that, that's been kind of the story going into Saturday. When we get back here again on Monday for these SEC games not involving Georgia, here's what I really think the storyline is going to be. And I'm going to give you about three different names that could potentially emerge as this. I think we're going to come in here on Monday with the potential of a new star having emerged in the SEC. Now, one of these is a maybe will happen. And one of these games is it's an either or type situation. So let me start with the maybe this will happen. And admittedly, I kind of hope this does because I kind of like the team, certainly in this role. Let's talk about Traylon Burks here for a minute as the Arkansas wide receiver. Banged up a little bit last week. It was not a great game for the Hogs. Admittedly, week one against Rice. K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback, struggled, but an, an unhealthy Burks was one of the reasons why. There is reason to believe that he's maybe healthier going into the game against te- Texas on Saturday. This is obviously a big spot for an Arkansas team that wants a signature win for Sam Pittman. A lot of folks don't like Texas. I'm one of them. So emotionally, it's very easy to line up with the Hogs right here. I think that Reynolds Razorback Stadium is very sneakily and quietly one of the uh, best uh, venues in the SEC. Uh, I think it's a really fun stadium. I think it's going to be rocking and rolling. This is an old school rivalry that a lot of old school Arkansas fans have great appreciation for. And the new school folks, a lot of them just don't like Texas, period. So it becomes easy for them to get involved there as well. But in order to win the game, you got to do some things on the outside. And Burks, as a receiver, 
with Kendall Bryles devising an offense that actually gets him open, that utilizes everything that he brings to the table. If we're talking about Arkansas keeping this close, or if we're talking about Arkansas doing what I think they have a chance to do, which is actually go out and get the outright win, if we're talking about that from Arkansas come Monday, I think we're also talking about Burks as now being a little bit of a household-type name amongst SEC fans as one of the real dynamic playmakers and for an Arkansas team that arguably plays the toughest schedule in the country and would seem to be a win that most of the SEC West has circled, if, if, if Traylon Burks shows up against Texas the way that I think that he might, all of a sudden that game becomes a little more difficult to circle on your schedule as the obvious easy win. The two other names I want to give you here for a moment are both the quarterbacks in the Kentucky-Missouri game. This is the classic example of if you're really obsessed with the SEC – I think you find Kentucky-Missouri to be fascinating. I know that I do. I think this is an unbelievably entertaining game, although it's not really on the national radar at all. Now, part of this is because of the fact that Kentucky has attempted over the course of the offseason to totally upgrade its offense. You know, Eddie Grant is gone, new coordinator in place, new starting quarterback too. At one point in time, I think a lot of us thought Joey Gatewood was the quarterback of the future for the Wildcats. But last week we saw Will Levis for the first time in that role as Kentucky starting quarterback. And based on the way that he played week one, moving into his first SEC game here in week two, you have a a thought that, wow, Will Levis could really, really, really prove himself to be one of the upper half quarterbacks in the SEC have have a chance to be really a dynamic player and on Saturday against Missouri he has a chance to show that but let's not forget Missouri won this game a year ago 20 to 10 Connor Baselick had a good year leading the offense of Eli Drinkwitz last season and my pick in the game is Missouri you've heard me say that I actually think it's Baselick who emerges as the quarterback that people are talking about after this I think the most undercovered ignored team in the SEC currently is Missouri. I think Missouri wins on the road against Kentucky on Saturday. I think that Baselick, much the same way that Burks, the receiver, could emerge for Arkansas, I think Baselick could emerge from this game on Saturday with a lot more attention. So to me, it's a light slate for SEC games, but on Monday, I think we're talking between either Levis, Burks, or Baselick. I think we're talking about a star player on the offensive side kind of emerging from one of those spots there. Let me just quickly say this about the two national games. I think Oregon-Ohio uh, State is a referendum on Ohio State. This is a very tough spot for Oregon, has been, been discussed. They are traveling west to east. That's never an easy thing to do. They are playing at 9 a.m. Pacific there in uh, Columbus on Saturday. That you know, the, you know, From the Pacific time zone that Oregon is from, it's like being at 9 a.m. Uh, this is an Ohio State team that gets to come back home. They also get two extra days of rest, having played last Thursday as opposed to on Saturday. Everything about this speaks to an easy Ohio State win, but the question is, can Stroud, C.J. Stroud, the quarterback, play well enough to make it the easy win? I don't think Oregon's a real national championship contender. I think they'll be lucky to keep this game close on Saturday. This is a team that's built very much like Georgia. They want to play defense. They want to run the football. This is not the Chip Kelly Oregon team anymore. And so it's simply a matter of, can Ohio State be good enough to be pretty against a team like Oregon that wants to be physical and try to keep it close and see if it finds a way to win late? We know the playmakers for Ohio State, the running back Henderson that emerged last week, obviously a guy like Chris Olave, who surprisingly made a decision to return for 2021. This is a referendum on Ohio State about where they belong in the pecking order that clearly has Alabama at the top right now, but also includes Georgia. Where does Ohio State fit into that conversation? What they do at home against Oregon on Saturday will go a long way towards determining that. And then if you care about the game day game, I like it, the Cyhawk showdown between Iowa and Iowa State. Um, I just think it's a fun rivalry. I think games like this are cool. It's one of the reasons why I have a little bit of a emotional connection to the so-called alliance, because 
They're going to be huge crowd in Ames on Saturday. They're going to be tailgating in a big way. Um, honestly, I want college football to include games like this. I don't want it to be just you know the 25 teams that have the big macro budgets and everything like that. I, I think there's room for a full country playing the sport. And I like Iowa in the game if you care about that. But in terms of the actual entertainment value, I think Iowa and Iowa State's pretty good football, and that has been for uh, quite some time. So I'll take the Hawkeyes to get the Cyhawk trophy, but I'm just glad the game is getting a big national spotlight. We'll make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. As Jeff Sintel very helpfully teased a moment ago, some of you have been asking, hey, let's hear some of that Channing Tindall stuff. And I, like I said, I'm running crazy late on the show, so I can't play a ton of this for you. But I do want you to go to the Dog Nation YouTube page and hear the entirety of the thing for yourself. But I think there's an important point to be made about Tyndall. We said this before about guys. You cannot be quick to assume that because a guy's not playing very much, he must not be very good. There's this tendency about some of the media, oh, this guy's a buzz, that guy's a buzz, because he's not you know, an All-American as a freshman. In a place like Georgia, good players are going to have to wait their turn. And good players with good souls are willing to stick it out. They're willing to fight. They're willing to to be patient and let the world come to them as opposed to trying to control every outcome in a world in which outcomes really can't be controlled very well. And Georgia's got a lot of these guys in the team right now. And Tyndall's very good. I mean, it would not surprise me at all if Channing Tyndall's playing in the NFL. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's playing more in the NFL than he actually is right now at Georgia just because that's the way that his career's kind of worked out. I think he's a really, really special talent. And I think that's always been true. But this has been a deep roster where the guys ahead of him have been playing very well, much the same way that we've talked about Aziz Ojolari blocking Jermaine Johnson from getting as much playing time as he wanted. He went to Florida State. Uh, Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, guys who we think can have big seasons for Georgia, had big games against Clemson, but the presence of Ojolari made it hard for them to get on the football field. He had the same thing with the inside linebackers there as well. And Tyndall's a pretty special guy, and he seems to have pretty special character there, too. He's also incredibly entertaining. He has character, and he is a character, if you kind of get what I'm saying about this. A lot to like about him all the way around. And Georgia fans ought to notice it. Georgia fans ought to pay attention to those guys that could have gone somewhere else. He's from Columbia, South Carolina. I mean, let me, you know, I don't want to paint too broad of a picture here for you, but I mean, he probably had some places he could go if things weren't working out for him at UGA, and he's not chosen to do that he's chosen to be a part of the depth here and now he's a part of the leadership and now he's a contributing player and all of that is really worth celebrating and the attitude that he put on display this week speaking to reporters after really going through a lot to get to the point where he was a big time performer for Georgia in limited role even still on Saturday which is really good stuff all the way around so here's a small taste of something you ought to get more of at the Dog Nation YouTube page it was great this week from Channing Tindall take a listen UGA defense has always been good in my eyes so like we just trying to like regardless of who out there it's a standard we all like just trying to carry the tradition i feel like it was good Trez was here with monty uh roquan you just have a lot of good uh legends here that's been playing that's in the league now that's just been doing the job we don't want to let them down and we don't want to let ourselves down so we just gonna keep pushing i mean listen if you could bottle that you'd want to sell it if you could uh you know give that to other coaches you just want as much of that as you could possibly get of that kind of attitude of, hey, I'm a part of a great defensive legacy. Now I'm contributing to that great defensive legacy. I'm not asking that anything be given to me. I want to take it for myself when I get my chance to do that. Look, 
I just got an incredible respect for that, and it's the kind of thing that Georgia fans ought to notice. There are a lot of guys that over the course of the last couple of years on a very deep roster that have chosen to stick it out and chosen to wait their turn. And they ought to be credited for doing so because their time may be coming right now, and they're certainly making the Georgia defense better now because they've chosen to remain here. And I think that's really good stuff. Tindall's a good player, and on the basis of the press conference we saw from this past week, he's a pretty good dude there as well. All right, so one of the things we haven't really talked as much about in today's show because we just really talked about a lot yesterday was the chatter around uh, JT Daniels and will he start on Saturday. Pretty fun golden shoe submission related to that. Jacob Alexander sends a, a video shot of Jeff, myself, and Connor Riley last week from our Dog Nation Invasion tailgate with Connor with the, the thought bubble saying, did y'all hear about JT? And that's a pretty good representation of what a lot of Georgia fans were doing here this week, uh, saying, did you hear about JT Daniels and sifting through all those rumors? And now we're left to decide where it all goes from here. So good stuff from Jacob Alexander. You are a golden shoe winner for today. Gator Hater Countdown, even 50. 50 days from right now, dogs. Get some revenge against the Gators. We will see you Monday. Enjoy the weekend and the game. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Have a great day, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Let me just say this, how nice it is to have comments back at dognation.com. We had kind of an odd week this week when it comes to, uh, I got locked out of our website, and it took a couple days to get that fixed, but uh, it is fixed, and all the shows from this week were back up there. Some of you are kind enough to to patiently wait that out, and I really appreciate that. Of course, most people that listen to the podcast actually listen via one of the podcast players, you know, uh, whether it be Spotify, the Apple Play, or whatever else. But a lot of you just like the convenience of the show showing up for you at dognation.com, and we're committed to doing that for you. We just had a little bit of a of an odd week in, on that front here this week, so it's nice to have all that cleaned up and back. I want to read a few comments here today from some of the shows here this week. Uh, a lot of comments on what Marcus Spears said when it comes to uh, the Clemson loss and what I thought was really an exaggerated take on, in a lot of ways, the end of Clemson in the aftermath of that loss to Georgia. And what's funny is is that we played the Marcus Spears thing because I just think he's an interesting personality, but there were a lot of people this week, you know, more famous, less famous, kind of in between. Man, Clemson has really been ripped here. And I think a lot of this is kind of related to it's a loss to, to Georgia after a bad loss to Ohio State in last year's college football playoff and I guess people still kind of hearkening back to the you know the the loss to LSU in the 2019 national championship game that suddenly Clemson has a big game problem they can't show up in these big games can't move the football specifically I'm gonna read some comments there is one thing about Clemson that I am curious about but let me read some comments first Silver Britches says Clemson's gonna be fine they have a great football program and for the most part I think that's probably true Smarts the man says the end of Clemson is wildly exaggerated. Clemson does clearly have a weakness. The problem for Clemson was that the weakness lined up across from the best defensive line in college football. Georgia put up 15 uh, quarterback sacks in the last two games. Cincinnati also had a good team. They also had a seasoned mobile quarterback. Clemson just needs to improve their offensive line. They had every opportunity to do so. I really agree with almost everything that Smarts the man says there. I think the story for me is more what the Georgia defense did, more so than what the Clemson offense did not do. And you know, the one area in which Clemson both has had some recruiting vulnerabilities and now on-field vulnerabilities, and it's not a coincidence. Those two things typically fairly, fairly well connected. You know, they haven't recruited a bunch of offensive linemen. They were thin along the offensive line. 
And oftentimes, storylines don't work out as advertised. In this particular case, though, for Clemson, that's exactly what a lot of folks thought would play out. But against easier competition, my assumption is that Clemson will play much better. Stone writes in to say that Clemson's been trending downward for some time. It began with LSU, followed up with a split with Notre Dame. Remember, it was always extremely difficult to defeat a team twice in one season. And they got taken apart by Ohio State. When Clemson faces a team of equal or near equal talent, they struggle. Also, do not forget this run by Clemson really is about two exceptional quarterbacks, Watson and Trevor Lawrence. All of this is somewhat hidden by the fact they play in the ACC. The only game of note against top 25 opponent was against UGA, and they lost. He says, realize, too, even with all of this, they're still not out of the playoff picture. I think Stone's comment there is terrific, and I think much the same way that Smarts the Man said a lot of right things. I think that Stone is also equally correct. And specifically speaking on the part of the quarterback, this is the one like big question I'd be asking about Clemson because for the most part, I think they're fine. I think they're going to win ACC games easy, and I think they are at least remaining as a playoff contender at the end of the season because they're very likely ACC champions, and there's a chance they're not really threatened very much on the road to that. But Clemson has had Hall of Fame-level quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is an all-time great. Deshaun Watson, I believe the college level is even better than Lawrence was, an all-time great type quarterback. And when you have that level of quarterback play, the other stuff you have going on in your program just doesn't get as much attention. Now, Clemson's been collecting elite talent, but not to the same degree other programs have. Clemson is a very different kind of recruiting program. And we said this going into the game, that it's just really interesting how, if you think about Georgia as this insatiable appetite for aggressive recruiting clemson just goes about its business different than that and if you no longer have a number one overall pick at quarterback in trevor lawrence if you no longer have a a guy in you know deshaun watson was a first round pick but i think his actual value to clemson was much greater even than that if if you only have a good quarterback and it remains to be seen what dj uyunglele is i'm not going to bury him just because the georgia defense got the best of him but let's say he's not as good as the last two guys have been because it's hard to do that do the other roster deficiencies that Clemson has become more apparent? Even in an ACC schedule, do they become more apparent because all of a sudden now you don't have this great quarterback kind of obscuring all of that? You know, Clemson has just been very content to offer about a third of the number of players that Georgia offers, very content to only take the players that are con- that are willing to not take visits other places. Clemson doesn't really compete for recruits very much, and it has worked. And I got to tell you, I respect the the mechanism by which they've recruited because they have stuck to their principles and they've brought in good players in the process. But it's a lot easier to do some of that kind of stuff as long as you got you know um, a quarterback whose face is on posters in kids' rooms all over America. But the moment you don't have that quarterback anymore all of a sudden the rest of your roster is getting a lot more attention. And whatever Uwe Unglele becomes in the post-Georgia portion of the schedule is going to say a lot there. A couple others here really quick. Billy Dog says uh, about Clemson, they finished 14-1 and and number 2 in 2019, the number 3 last season. I think some personalities at ESPN just say crazy nonsense to get noticed. But as I said before, it wasn't just Spears doing that. I highlighted Spears because I think he's the most interesting. But I mean, I saw people on ESPN this week also question why Clemson was even ranked number 6 right now. I'm like some of you, and I said this in the show, I think that's uh, a little bit exaggerated. Uh, I think it's more than a little bit exaggerated, but it was very interesting to see the the, the criticism that Clemson got. Uh, one more comment here on the topic from yesterday. It comes from Stone, who says he thought that Kirby Smart was trying to be too cute with the quarterback situation. In this particular case, I don't think that you blame this one on Smart. Um, I think this rumor, whether it be a rumor or actual news, 
regarding Daniel's status for Saturday just kind of got out. And while I think that Kirby Smart works way too hard to be secretive, this is one of those things that I do believe every coach would want to be secretive about. If your quarterback is hurt, even if it's only a little bit, you don't want other people to know. So while Kirby Smart bends over backwards, I think to his own detriment sometimes to keep things secret, every coach would want to keep an injury to a starting quarterback secret. That's just not anything unique there regarding Kirby Smart. It's one of the reasons why, you know, as someone who does the show, I understand the perspective of Georgia. You want to keep certain things in-house, but I also don't work for Georgia. There's a reason why during the show each and every day, I say it's the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. My job is to inform fans. My job is not to toe the company line for UGA. And no matter what Georgia's trying to do, even if fans say, well, I hope they do keep it a secret from whoever you're playing, I still want to know for myself. That's what the average fan, for the most part, thinks on that. So even if Georgia fans kind of know why Georgia's trying to keep the cards close, fans still want to know what the real story probably is and sometimes it's hard to sift through all of that i think this is one of those situations we really have to wait and see what happens tomorrow but as i said a good bit yesterday if you think a player is healthy there's a chance that he's hurt but if you think a player might be hurt there's a pretty good chance that he is right it's just kind of the way that it goes you just don't see that many examples of we thought he was hurt kind of find out he was totally healthy there are just not as many examples of that i would say around college football but is it hurt enough you know it's like the old joke about hurt or injured is it hurt enough that it keeps him off the field I just don't know I want to see Carson Beck play but at the same time I want to see JT Daniels at the helm of this offense it would only be his sixth start in a Georgia uniform if he does start tomorrow and this is a guy that still needs more time in this offense even with the limited playmakers they have right now with other guys kind of on the shelf here for a moment too he needs more time to get this group ready to be where they need to be come October and everything that's going to happen after that so it's a fascinating day in many respects for who plays how long they play and how do they play when they are in the game so good comments all the way around thanks for being here for dog nation daily presented by Kroger big thanks to R.S. Andrews for making this podcast cool down possible I couldn't do it each and every day if it wasn't for them uh, they love the kinds of conversations we have on shows like this our buddy Dari Payro and speaking of Dari from R.S. Andrews he'll be with us as well for Go With The Flow presented by R.S. Andrews if you normally listen to the podcast you might check out the Dog Nation video channels to watch he and all the rest of the Dog Nation team uh, make their picks for the upcoming week's game that's Friday afternoon Dog Nation video channels you can check that out there enjoy the game folks I'll see you in Athens tomorrow Dog Nation post game show after the game on all the video channels and then back here live on Monday, 10 a.m. for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Enjoy the football this weekend. Hope the dogs get a nice, good-looking win, and we'll see you again next time.